Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Today's episode of Channel 33 is brought to you by SeatGeek, the presenting sponsor for my podcast, as well as the only fan-friendly app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. With just two taps on your phone, you can instantly buy SeatGeek tickets to an event, and you can enter that event just using your phone. No paper tickets. Drop your old ticket app. Use one that's built for 2016. Download the free SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. And don't forget to check out my fairly new website, TheRinger.com, for the very best in sports, tech, and pop culture coverage. And don't forget about The Ringer Podcast Network, which features Keeping It 1600, The Watch, Channel 33, Shack House, and our Ringer shows for the NFL, NBA, and MLB. And finally, don't forget about my new television show, Any Given Wednesday, which runs every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. on HBO and reruns on HBO Now, HBO Go, and HBO On Demand. Welcome to Channel 33's College Football Season Preview Special, with a little week one preview action thrown in for good measure. My name is Mallory Rubin. I'm the deputy editor of TheRinger.com, a wonderful website that we would love for you to visit frequently. And I am joined today by my colleague and fellow college football enthusiast, articles editor Benjamin Glicksman. Hey, Ben. Hey, how's everything going, Mal? It's good. How are you? I am, uh, I am ready for the season to begin, so it is a good day in college football land. Are you considering this game day, this is officially day one of kickoff, like you're ignoring the Cal game, that didn't even happen? Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, this, week, this weekend is the first weekend of college football for all intents and purposes. Like, the Cal game was cute, but let's, <laughs> let's actually get to like, the full slate of games here. I think the fact that Hawaii had to ask Michigan for practice film to level the playing field just confirms that we should all forget that that game even happened last week and officially consider today a celebration the beginning of the 2016 season there is so much to talk about we're going to discuss week one because we have five days of pretty compelling action here and that definitely warrants some discussion but we also are going to discuss the season as a whole because there's so much to get into so much intrigue and ben we love college football both of us we met just give the, give the readers a little Malban history here. We met when we were editors at Sports Illustrated working on the college football beat together. So this is our shared passion. I don't know how that's true because I went to Syracuse and you went to Northwestern and those schools are both football abominations right now. But despite that, we love this sport. We love editing it. We love writing about it. We love talking about it. And that's what we're going to do here. Yeah, SI, magical, magical time uh, starting on college football. And speak for yourself about uh, football <laughs> school. We have the starting quarterback for the defending Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos in uh, touchdown Trevor Simeon. So I think we're uh, well on our way to becoming a football powerhouse. I really hope that you enjoy the Trevor Simeon experience for the two and a half quarters that I anticipate it lasting before the Look. Paxton Lynch experience begins in full. Right. Well, well, we'll talk next week after he's outplayed Cam Newton and is well on his way to starring in Papa John's ads of his very own. So this is this is going to go really well for Trevor. I'm, I'm feeling good about it. Okay. It sounds like you're in a, a good, rational headspace right now, which is a great way to start. Because the first thing we want to do is, is borrow a little segment from our, our good pals, Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald in the watch. Start off with a little in or out action to get this rolling. So Ben, I'm gonna pose a couple questions to you and you're gonna say whether you're in and out. 
in or out, and you're going to explain why, and then I'm going to do the same. And hopefully, we will argue a lot and never agree, because that's more interesting. But we'll see what happens. First up, Houston is a legitimate college football playoff contender. In or out on the Cougs? All right, so let me just start off by saying Tom Herman is a fantastic coach. They had a terrific year last year. I feel really good about Greg Ward Jr. coming back, um, but I'm out on Houston. I think they had a lot of things go right for them last year that um, may not be sustainable. They were second in the country in turnover margin. They had some really, really big comebacks late uh, against Memphis in particular, and I think this team um, in general it's just really tough to go undefeated. For them to be in the college football playoff, they cannot lose. They open the year against Oklahoma. They have tough games late, too. Um, they play Louisville. They play Navy on the road. I think Houston's going to be a really good team this year. I could see them winning nine or ten games, but I just really don't see them making one of the four playoff spots. Okay, so we're off to a terrible start because my answer is identical. I am out on the Cougs. I am in on Houston in general as a team that I like and am fond of and think is good. I think that Tom Herman is a king. I think that Greg Ward is a legend and a thrilling player. I have no doubt that he'd be getting even more love than he already is if he played for a, a, you know, a true blue blood team. I like Houston a lot. I think this is a good squad. I'm not like sitting here shaking my head at the ranking, like wondering why all the hype is even here. I just think that the playoff talk is is a bridge too far because of what you just said the schedule which is like basically simultaneously too hard and too easy right so it's like first it's too hard because this team opens against Oklahoma the number three team in the country and a preseason national title favorite so that's a loss right off the bat it's a Baker Mayfield shaped needle right into Houston's hype balloon and other than that mid-November matchup against Louisville that you mentioned Houston's schedule is not strong enough to allow the Cougars to recover from a loss, especially a high-profile week one loss that's going to immediately deflate everything. So I like Houston, but I'm out on this level of hype. Yeah, I think for any group of five team, you have to go undefeated if you're going to have any chance of making the playoff. I like Houston, however, as the best of the Big 12's terrible crop of candidates (laughs) for realignment, though. So I I have high hopes for the Cougars moving forward. I like that. That's good. More, more wins for Houston or more teams currently still in the mix for the Big 12 expansion? Well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to when we have like the Big 26 about three years from now and we have like the Colorado State-West Virginia rivalry we've all been craving. So the Big 12, I think, is the only conference that actually has things figured out correctly. I think you want as many teams in there as possible regardless of how much of a football history they have. So good on the Big 12 and yeah, feeling good about Houston's chances there. Okay, speaking of uh, speaking of proud football histories, another team that has been getting a lot of hype this preseason, the Washington Huskies. So are you in or out on Washington as a real legitimate threat to win the Pac-12 this year? I am out on Washington. I went into this thinking I was going to be in on Washington. I love Coach Peterson. I The 2007 Fiesta Bowl, I probably don't go more than two weeks without watching at least some highlight from that game. <laughs> um, and they, they bring back Miles Gaskin, who's a great running back. They bring back Jake Browning, who's a great quarterback. They bring back Buda Baker, who's one of the best defensive backs in the nation. But, I mean, this team went 7-6 and six last year. They beat USC, but they went 0-6 against the other top 50 teams they played. I think that they're going to be better this year. I could see them winning probably somewhere between 
nine games, 10 games, something in that range. But they have a, a stretch where they play Stanford and Oregon consecutively early in the year. And especially for a team that's still going to try to learn to win against these top teams, I just think they're, they're not there just yet. The, Washington is building something really special, but I still think they're, they're a step away or so. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm out as well. I mean, I, again, I like this team. I just think that the level of hype has surpassed reality in a way that is slightly puzzling to me. You know, every single preseason projection right now adores the Huskies. They're in the top 10 in the S&P. They're 13th in ESPN's FPI. I get it. You know, they return 15 starters. Chris Peterson basically always has not only my trust, but I think all of our trust. And Buda Baker, who you mentioned, is, is, is one of the best all-around defenders in the entire country. But I think the problem is that Washington isn't even the best team in its own division, let alone the conference. I, I Give me Stanford in the north and give me UCLA in the south. Sorry, guys. I, uh, I like UCLA in the south. I actually sort of like Oregon in the north. I, uh, I think a lot of people are sleeping on Oregon this year. And look at Stanford's schedule. Stanford's, well, we can talk more about Stanford later, but I think Stanford's early schedule is really brutal. Um, I, I think Oregon is a nice sleeper in the North this year. How much did Molly McHugh pay you to say that? All of the money. How much did Dakota Prukop pay you to say that? He didn't pay me anything. I have nothing but love for Dakota So you, you, you were not worried at all about the revolving door at quarterback? You don't think there's, there's, this is the year that maybe it finally catches them? I think it sort of caught them last year. I mean, if something happens to Prukop like happened to Vernon Adams right. and he gets hurt, like their depth at quarterback is not good. But you look at how they played the second half of last year when Vernon Adams was healthy, that team was just blowing everybody out until it inexplicably collapsed in the second half against TCU in their bowl game. But I think if Prukop is healthy, Oregon is a team that a lot of people are just sort of forgetting about this year mm -hmm. and I think is is going to be a player. Yeah, I think there's something to that, the element of maybe just like, oh, they can't do it again, right? Like they can't just keep plugging in a new person and having success. The offense can't always carry the day, but maybe you're right. Maybe it can. And I think one of the, the challengers to that and one of the things that will determine whether or not that's true for Oregon or for Washington is Christian McCaffrey and the Cardinals. So let's get to our next item on in or out, which is Christian McCaffrey breaking his own all-purpose yardage record from last year. Are you in or out on the possibility of that happening? Um, I, I feel like I'm shooting everything down uh, to start this podcast, <laughs> but I am also out on him breaking this record. I think so. Last year, he had... 3,864 all-purpose yards. Yeah, that's which a lot. That's I would, a lot. I would call that a video game number, but like you can't even do that in video games. That's an impossible total to get to. Um, I think a lot of it, like I said, has to do with their schedule. Look at how they start the year. They have Kansas State. They have USC. They play at UCLA. They play at Washington. They play Notre Dame a couple weeks later. Literally think, every team you just listed is well-positioned to disappoint. So I'm just saying. Still, that's that's a much tougher schedule than you see most teams at the beginning of the year play. Yeah. He also loses Joshua Garnett, one of his key blockers, and he loses Kevin Hogan. Kevin Hogan as a quarterback oh is one of those guys. Oh, we're going to get into an argument Stop about it. Kevin Hogan. You're not about Kevin to, Hogan is better than people think. You're not He's about to praise think. chubby Brian Mattis on this podcast, are you? I, that's exactly what I'm about to do. Oh I God. think Kevin Hogan, look, for, for as much as he got knocked, he was... 
He was pretty consistent. Stanford was always a threat yeah. under him. Consistently I think Ryan mediocre. Burns, That's exactly right. Yeah, consistently <laughs> mediocre as Rose Bowl champions. I think uh, <laughs> I think Christian McCaffrey is going to have a wonderful year. I just I think maybe 3,200 yards is more realistic than 3,800 yards this season. I'm uh, Ben. I'm with you once again. We're 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 one. We're of one mind here. I'm out, and I love Christian McCaffrey. He is one of the best overall players in the country. He's one of my absolute favorites to watch. I strongly believe that he should have won the Heisman last year, and I think he could still win it this year, even amid that emerging pattern of the preseason favorites failing to win because they can't live up to the hype that their prior production set. But None of that means that he's going to break his own all-purpose yardage record. Like, think of the player whose record he broke. Barry Sanders. Like, when you're at that level, that is not something that is easy to repeat. How can he be better than historic? How, how can he do more than be the best? It just defies logic. So I really wanted to say in. I wanted to sit here and talk nonsense and just get lost in sheer hope and belief. And I would really love to be proved wrong. I think it would be awesome if he did this. It would be an incredibly fun thing to watch and to celebrate. But logic just says that this can't happen. Yeah, I mean, the one thing about Barry Sanders that I, I find really fascinating about the scenario that every time I have a discussion about Christian McCaffrey, I feel like I have to bring up is that he was so good in breaking Barry Sanders' record that he forced Barry Sanders' kid to transfer out of Stanford, <laughs> which is really, really an amazing, amazing turn of events. Pretty great. Pretty great. Ben, there is a team that would like to experience an amazing turn of events, and that is Tennessee, which has been in the preseason darling spot for a couple seasons in a row now and has yet to really break through in the way that people thought it might. So next up, are you in or out on Tennessee finally living up to the hype this season? So Tennessee for the past couple of years has sort of been one of my favorite preseason pastimes to just knock their expectations completely. People would get all excited about Tennessee. I would say Tennessee was going to be terrible, and I would be more right than not. Um, <laughs> this year, though, I'm in. Oh I my actually God. think, I know, I, uh, I came into this thinking that I was going to do nothing but bash Tennessee for as long as possible, and it would be a really joyous time for me, but I'm actually a believer. I think Part of that may have had to do with them totally stomping Northwestern in the bowl game and me having nightmares about that for the last few months. But, um, I mean, they have Joshua Dobbs, who's a great quarterback. They have Jalen Hurd and Alvin Kamara at running back. They have Derek Barnett, who's one of the country's elite pass rushers. And if you look at the games they lost last year, they just, like, couldn't hold a lead. Right. They were leading Alabama 14-13, to blew that. The game against Oklahoma is just totally inexplicable. I think that just, like screwed up their vibe the whole year they were yeah. up huge in the first quarter and then just decided like let's run the ball until we punt and hope that we can stop them um <laughs> I, mean, I think if they can win a couple close games again they're in the sec east right. which is a lot more doable to to be good than in the sec west which has just seven good teams basically every year um but i think this is the year tennessee does it i am a believer in uh in brick by brick finally happening this year Ben, I'm also in. Oh, God, we're agreeing way too much. What is happening? I I take it back. I'm out on Tennessee now. This is terrible. I've missed you. I'm also in. Uh, This is it. Finally, I picked Josh Dobbs to win the Heisman last year like a total lunatic. 
partially because I was trying to be different and do something fun. Lesson learned. Never, never do that. And partially because I was really into the Tennessee hype. I, I, I thought it was real, and I think it was just a little too early, but all the reasons that existed for being excited about the team last year are still true this year but are now magnified further. Florida and Georgia have easier schedules, right? They have easier roads in the SEC East, which is a factor, undeniably. But the Vols have more talent, and I I just think that matters more. You know, I can't see Tennessee beating Alabama during the regular season or in the conference title game, but I do think that they can win the division. And if they win the division, that means New Year's Six bowl consideration, and that is notable. You know, I think that Dobbs is already – pretty widely appreciated at this point, which is great. I love him. I think he's awesome. I think this is the year that Jalen Hurd potentially emerges as a top-tier running back, not necessarily at the, you know, Fournette McCaffrey level, but up there with the names that you list when you're talking about the year of the running back and the players who define the season. And Derek Barnett, who you, who you just mentioned, he might break Reggie White's school sack record this year. That That is no joke. That is a, quite an achievement. So I'm all in on the balls. I really think this is it. It's their time. Yeah, no, I uh, I think the interesting thing that you mentioned there is uh, not only will they not be able to beat Alabama in the regular season, but we're already slotting Alabama into the SEC yeah, title game. Of course. It's just a rite of passage. Like, they're going to be there. <laughs> doesn't matter. Given. Like, yeah, we don't even have to worry about the other 12 games. Alabama will be will be in Atlanta. It'll be fine. It's partially strategic. You know, the, the less we talk about Alabama now and just assume that we'll be talking about Alabama later, the more material we'll have to discuss later. We're, yeah, we're, That's what you is, call planning, folks. This is, yeah, this is thinking ahead, people. This is, this is next-level podcasting. <laughs> talk about Washington now before we never have a chance to talk about them again. Exactly. Um, all right, Ben, we're, 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 we've arrived at our last – in or out of the day, and I'm praying that we disagree on this one because we need a little conflict here. We need a little drama. And the person we're about to talk about brings no shortage of either. Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. Are you in or out on Michigan rejoining the ranks of the college football elite this season? Okay, so I'm going to ask you a follow-up question. Does rejoining the elite mean making the playoff, or does it mean just being super good? That's a that's a good question. I think you could you could freely interpret this as you see fit as a podcaster and an editor and a free thinking human. That is your right. But to me, I think elite means national title contender, a team that we are taking seriously as a threat to potentially play for the championship. That that's how I am interpreting the question. Partially because okay. I want you to give a different answer. <laughs> okay. If if that is the case, then I'm in. As oh, much as no! I hate to, as much as I hate to. So here's the here's the caveat. As much as I, I mean, look at their schedule. They basically don't play anybody until late October when they play at Michigan State. Yeah. And realistically, they're going to be like ten and one or eleven and zero by the time they play at Ohio State on November twenty sixth. I. The caveat is I don't think they make the playoff. I think Ohio State beats them in Columbus. Okay. Uh, and we'll get to that later. So I think just, I mean, look, Colorado is not going to beat Michigan. Penn State this year is not going to beat Michigan on the road. Illinois doesn't even have a football program anymore. I just, like, <laughs> I, Michigan is going to be really good. I mean, Jim Harbaugh always turns teams around. He's got a lot of pieces. 
his team succeeded last year with Jake Rudock, who is not exactly. a good quarterback. Exactly. I mean, like, they're Michigan's going to be good, but yeah, so that's why I have the distinction. They're going to be a contender, but I don't think they make the playoff. Ben, I'm all in. I'm all in all the way to the playoffs. Spoiler alert for a segment later in the show. I think that <laughs> all of the usual suspects will pose challenges in the Big Ten. And, you know, the fact that the, the Michigan State, Iowa, and Ohio State games are all on the road is, uh, you know, worth mentioning. But I, I think that there's a better than good chance that Michigan arrives in Columbus on November 26th undefeated. And if Big Blue wins that game, it's playoff time, baby. You know, I, I am not concerned that Harbaugh hasn't publicly named a quarterback, both because I think Wilton Spade and John O'Korn, two all-name contenders, are uh, extremely promising. And basically, because it's usually a pretty good idea to trust Jim Harbaugh when it comes to quarterbacks, no matter which individual player you happen to be talking about at the moment, I think that Jabril Peppers is the most versatile, interesting, and exciting player in the entire country. And I think Jake Butt is named Jake Butt, which has to count for something, Ben. So It goes um, a long way. <laughs> it goes a long way. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, man. I'm all in. I'm all in. Yeah. The other guy we didn't mention there, I mean, Jabril Peppers is amazing. Jordan Lewis, their cornerback, yeah. is one of the top four or five. He's one of the top handful of cornerbacks in the nation. I mean, he's going to... He's conceivably going to be a first-round pick really soon. So I think, I mean, that Michigan defense is going to be really good. But, yeah, I'm, I'm out on their playoff chances. But, yeah, they're, they're going to be good. Okay. Well, speaking of the playoff, it is time for some big-picture season predictions. We're going to do our playoff teams, our national championship matchup and winner and our Heisman picks. So why don't you get started? Tell, uh, tell listeners everywhere who you think is going to face off in the Fiesta and Peach Bowl this year. Okay, so I'll start with the Fiesta Bowl. Okay. Uh, Fiesta Bowl, I have uh, Alabama taking on Florida State. Okay. Um, I have Alabama, like we said, we're going to save all of our Alabama talk for like sometime <laughs> in November smart. or December. Yeah, um, smart. You know, they have... They're Alabama. Like it's a process. You could basically you could basically run out a bunch of fourth graders and have Nick Saban coach them up, and I'd be convinced they're going to win the national championship. <laughs> so it's fine. Um, so Alabama and Florida State. I I think Florida State um, comes out of the ACC this year. DeAndre Francois, a quarterback, is a bit of a question mark, but their defense is just going to be unbelievable with Josh Schwett, with Derwin James. And the fact that they play Clemson this year in Tallahassee, I think, is, yeah. is, is significant. So that's my first uh, college football playoff matchup. My other semifinal, um, I hinted at it earlier, I think Ohio State makes it out of the Big Ten. They're a really young team, but they have JT Barrett, who I think a lot of people are sleeping on. Uh, despite last offseason, him being basically the subject of every conversation for like six months. Um, <laughs> So they have him, they have a young team, but it's it's almost this I almost feel the same way about Urban Meyer as I feel about Nick Saban. Like yeah. whoever he puts out there, those guys are gonna be coached up. Last year they they lost I mean they lost tons of guys. They lost Joey Bosa, they lost Darren Lee, they lost Zeke Elliott, but it's not like the guys who are backing them up were like no name recruits. These are all four and five star guys. I think they're gonna be fine. Um my fourth team is the one that's probably controversial. Oh uh, I got Notre Dame. 
I have Notre Dame. I have Notre Dame doing doing the damn thing. Yeah, oh my so, god! Incredible. Yeah. Tell me everything. Don't leave a yeah. single thought out. I want to hear it all. Okay. So so let's start with this. Notre Dame is not going to be as unlucky injury wise right. as they were last year. Like that would be impossible. Half of their team died or lost limbs. So it's going to be. <laughs> It's going to be a better year for them as far as injuries are concerned. You're they right. Have, it's not going to be injuries. It's just going to be crippling suspensions and dismissals. Well, yeah. Look, Max Redfield aside, <laughs> they, have, they have two great quarterbacks. I mean, there's the old adage, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. But I, I think that whoever emerges out of Malik Zaire and uh, Deshaun Kaiser is going to be fine. Yeah. They have... Team Kaiser. Talent, yeah. I mean, both both are great options. Zaire looked amazing against Texas last year, and then he went out against Virginia, and then Kaiser came in and was phenomenal. So I think it, it's hard to go wrong in that choice. They have Terry and Folston and Josh Adams at running back, who are great. And even though they lost Will Fuller at receiver, they bring back Torrey Hunter Jr., which it's amazing that Torrey Hunter's son is a key piece in the college football playoff race. And... Speaking of the all-name team, Equinemia St. Brown yeah. is going to be a key, a key player for Strong. them this year. So I feel really good about that. But the biggest thing for them is the schedule. I think if in college football more than any other sport, the schedule matters just because they're so unevenly balanced. And if you look at Notre Dame's schedule, they play at Texas uh, on, uh, on Sunday, which is a little bit of a tricky game, but I think they should win. They play, they host Stanford on October 15th, but other than that, like, there's no games on their schedule that I'm like, this is a definite loss for them. So, like, I, I don't know. I think, I think this is the year that Brian Kelly does it. I was all in last year, man. I was all in. I felt like I was a part of the team because of the beautiful a season with Notre Dame Showtime experience that I, I truly loved. I, I think maybe I've been bruised as a result of the disappointments from last season and I'm not quite as ready to buy in, but, you know, I am, uh, I am just annually uh, falling victim to, to believing too strongly in Notre Dame. So I'm going to just try, try something different this year and, and go the other way and say that not only do I not think Notre Dame is going to make the playoff, I think Notre Dame is going to lose the opener on Sunday night to Texas. Charlie wow. Strong is here wow. to take it back. This is the Strong Assance. Get ready for it. The Strong Assance. That's, that's an impressive name. I think that's going to stick. Thank you. I'd like to think so. Ben, uh -huh. my, my playoff teams, we've got, we've got a couple, couple similarities and a couple differences. Um, for the Fiesta, I have Florida State and Oklahoma. And I want to say up front that I have the least confidence in Oklahoma of all four of my picks. I, I, I considered various other options, including TCU, which I just not, could not talk myself into because of the defense. Stanford, which despite my Stanford praise earlier, I couldn't quite talk myself into because of the schedule, as you noted. Um, so I considered LSU. I mean, it's just hard not to be totally smitten by the, the, you know, the return of the Fournette, less miles experience, but too many questions at quarterback, at least for and, me. And I did, despite everything I just said, briefly consider Notre Dame. But I'm going with Oklahoma. I think that there's just too much talent there to doubt the team until they give us a reason to. And I think that 
a strong opening statement against Houston goes a long way not only to, you know, dismissing doubters, but for the team itself, building some momentum, building some confidence. I think, you know, Baker Mayfield's not going to be like a star NFL quarterback or anything, but he's a special college player. He's, He's one of these guys who you just really cherish while he's in your life for a few years. And... The running game is incredible. I, I think that, you know, there's just not as much competition in the Big 12 this season as there has been in recent years. So I think Oklahoma does enough to make it. I think that Florida State has the strongest overall case, but I'm going to save that uh, explanation for my next answer, which probably tells you who I have in the title game. Um, for the Peach Bowl, I think it's going to be Alabama, Michigan one of the most exciting matchups you could possibly imagine just as a college football fan in general, regardless of the season or the particular players. Everything you said about Saban, I I agree with completely. You know, I I think that much like what you said about, you know, about Ohio State and, and Alabama, we hear this a lot, but it's not really a cliche because it is completely true. You know, it's not about rebuilding, it's about reloading. And I think despite how much talent they lost to the draft, they just they had those five stars to plug right back in, and a lot of the guys who stayed give them an extra level of experience. And I am I am I really hope Blake Barnett wins that quarterback job. I really am excited about what he can do in that offense. I think he's incredibly incredibly gifted and could do a lot of cool things. Um, and I already explained my my love for Michigan. So those are my four picks. Who uh, who do you have emerging for the title game and then winning the championship? So we should we should actually take a step back here. Neither of us picked Clemson. That's right. Right. That's right. right. We should we should pause. Like LSU, I also considered. Um, love Fournette. Love Les Miles. Two of my my favorite figures in college football in 2016. But in addition to the problems you mentioned, they just have the problem of being in Alabama's division. Yeah. And until Alabama doesn't doesn't make that happen anymore, like I have trouble not giving Bama the benefit of the doubt. Clemson, though, like, they return Deshaun Watson, who is unquestionably the top quarterback in college football. They return Wayne Gallman at running back. They bring back Mike Williams at receiver, in addition to having, like, that loaded core with uh, Artavis Scott and Hunter Renfro. Why did you not take Clemson here? I'll I'll explain afterwards, but I want to hear what you think. Because of the defense. (laughs) I mean, look at the players they lost to the NFL. Nobody is talking about that. Deshaun Watson doesn't play defensive end. Yeah. Right? Did I miss Deshaun Watson moving to defensive end? No, he did not pull a Gabriel pep, uh, Pepper, sadly. And no, it's, it's the same thing with me. I mean, it's not only defensive end, it's also their secondary. Right. They lost Mackenzie Alexander. They lost uh, J. Ron Kirsch. They lost T.J. Green. Yeah, I mean, so basically Where? they lost their their pass rush and they lost their, their defensive backs, which I think is going to leave them a little exposed against certain teams. I think... There's also, with teams that have this sort of historic season like they did last year, and I know they didn't win the championship, but it was obviously a really, really special season in Clemson. I think there is sort of, a lot of times, a little bit of a hangover the next year. Yeah. Um, I I mean, Clemson's going to be a great team this year. Deshaun Watson is going to be a Heisman contender. He's probably going to be the number one overall pick in the 2017 draft. But, yeah, I mean, same thinking. I think that... That past defense in particular is a little bit troubling. Um, okay, so getting to my championship picks. So I have 
Uh, despite Notre Dame's run to glory, I have Ohio State beating Notre Dame in the Peach Bowl. I have Alabama beating Florida State in the Fiesta Bowl. Wow. Um, okay. I, and I decided to really go out on a limb this year and pick Alabama to win the national championship. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm stunned. Ben. I, I know. Alabama. It's, yeah, I decided, you know, like the last seven years, if I would have given you every team in college football and you would have given me just Alabama, I would have You'd be won rich. more than you. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so I, uh, look, there's, it's really hard for me to say Alabama is not going to be in the playoff and at least make a run at this championship. And, and they, they were actually this year one of the teams that really benefited from the NFL draft declaration deadline. They returned Tim Williams, who's a guy I think that's going to be on a lot of people's radar this uh-huh. year, just a phenomenal pass rusher. They returned O.J. Howard at tight end. Love O.J. Howard. Always looked the part, but has had a problem with drops, but obviously had a phenomenal game in the championship. They returned Jonathan Allen, and the one guy who wasn't eligible for the, the draft deadline this year was Calvin Ridley, who I think is actually going to have a better Alabama career than Amari Cooper. I mean, that guy, he's amazing. I, yeah, I, I mean, think I think he's the, gonna... he's the second best receiver in the country, maybe the best. It's just a question of whether you're, you basically stylistically prefer him or, or, or Juju. Yeah, exactly. So I, uh, so yeah, um, I'm all in on Bama again this year. Um, ben, I can't really fault you for that because I, I'm pretty sure that ever since I've been professionally involved in college football at SI, at Grantland, and now here, I, I think I might have picked Alabama every one of those years in the preseason predictions. Maybe I picked USC one year just to change it up, but uh, I'm, I'm no stranger to the Alabama pick. It's, it's usually, as you said, safer than not, but I'm going to shake it up a bit this year. I'm going to try something new. Uh, I think that Florida State is going to beat Oklahoma. And I think Alabama is going to beat Michigan. So I've got Florida State-Bama for the, the title game matchup. And I think it's going to be the Knowles, man. I think we're looking at another Fisher title here. Dalvin Cook, Florida State running back, he, he might have the best season of any running back in the country this year. And I mean as a pure runner because I think, you know, McCaffrey's overall production and his contributions as a return man and receiver – uh, you know, take him to a different level. But as a pure runner, I think Cook might have the best year. You mentioned Richard, uh, Richard freshman quarterback, DeAndre Francois. He, I think he's going to be awesome. He, he looks incredible to me. I don't think we're ever going to hear from Sean McGuire again when he, when he heals. He's not getting that job back. Derwin James, to me, is the most versatile and dominant defender in the country not named Jabril Peppers. And I think that he is capable of filling the Jalen Ramsey-shaped hole for this team, which is honestly the, the highest praise that I could possibly give a player because I thought Jalen Ramsey was a fucking god. So I, Not I, inaccurate. Yeah, exactly. I think the, I think the Knowles are going to make a strong statement right away by beating number 11 Ole Miss on Monday Night Football in week one. And then I think they're basically from there going to cruise – right into the October 29th matchup with Clemson, which I think they'll win. And from there, it's title time. I'm glad you mentioned mentioned Cook because we talk a lot about Fournette and we talk a ton about McCaffrey, obviously, but here is their average yards per carry last year, okay? McCaffrey averaged 5.99 yards per carry. 
Fournette averaged 6.51 yards per carry, and Dalvin Cook averaged 7.38 yards per carry, which is just insane. It's my he ran for Yeah, he ran for almost 1,700 yards on 228 carries. That doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> I, I think I think Florida State is going to be great this year. Yeah, I uh, they're getting a lot of hype, but it, I think it is all deserved. And yeah, Derwin James is a destroyer of worlds. That guy is that guy is phenomenal. He's amazing. All right, let's let's switch from hyped teams to hyped players. Who's going to win the Heisman? All right, so I I sort of went out on a limb a little bit here. Um, I don't have Clemson making the playoffs, so I think that's I just want to be clear Watson. about one thing. You can't retroactively award the Heisman to Trevor Simeon. I just want to make sure you know that. Uh, well, we'll see. Once he's uh, once he's the NFL MVP, once he's won back-to-back Super Bowls, we'll have, we'll revisit this discussion later. Okay. I uh, I think as for my Heisman pick, though, I'm going JT Barrett of Ohio State. Nice. I think he is. He's he, so here's the thing that I think is tricky about the Heisman. I think you need to have some name recognition coming into the season, but not like too much. Right. Like, you basically want – he's one of the guys in that weird spot where basically everybody is aware of him from a national perspective, but he also somehow, like, doesn't have a ton of pressure or hype coming into the season, which in the Heisman race is a pretty uh, pretty enviable place to be. Um, and I think if Ohio State makes the playoff, which obviously I have them making the playoff, I think he's going to have a really strong case. I have uh... – basically the exact same reasoning and logic but applied to a different player so i think it's going to be cook i'm going with with dalvin um i really do think that this is going to be the season of the running back just as we're all anticipating and i think that of those running backs he is the best positioned to actually look better at the end of the season than he does at the beginning you know mccaffrey we, we, we just ran a great Michael Weinreb piece on The Ringer that you guys should all check out that explored this issue in depth. McCaffrey stands to suffer compared to his own prior production and expectations and because of the time zone. Voters just don't watch his games as often as they watch ACC and, and SEC games and Big Ten games. For Net, you know, he, he stands to suffer not only from expectations and hype, but from playing on a team that doesn't really have a quarterback who can help him share the load. You know, there's there's absolutely no doubting his ability. I think you and I agree that based on just pure talent, he's our probably our favorite player and probably the best player in the country. But as we saw last year, there's 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 some reason to doubt what he can do when he's forced to be a one-man offense in one of these games. Cook, he's going to be the best offensive player on a national title contender, in my mind, a national champion. We know that that matters, even if it shouldn't. He's also going to benefit from having numerous high-profile games where people who are voting can watch him and be awed. He can deliver the, the necessary requisite Heisman moments. And he's sort of in that sweet spot production-wise, like similarly to what you were saying about Barrett. He's a known name, but he's not the most famous guy at his, at his uh, position group. He did enough last year to make me incredibly confident in this pick, as you just noted, rushing for 19 touchdowns and an absolutely astonishing and seemingly impossible 7.4 yards per carry. But he, he did basically just less than enough to be on par with Deshaun Watson, McCaffrey, and Fournette in the preseason hype machine. So I think that plus the team that he's playing on plus his pure ability is going to be enough. I think it's interesting. I mean, I think an important thing to point out here for both of us is that we're making these picks 
based on knowledge of how Heisman voting actually works. Yes. Like, the the best player in the country does not necessarily win the Heisman. Correct. It's sort of the most visible player who's been hot recently on a team that's probably in the Final Four. Like, it's... Yeah, I mean, we, we don't need to look any further than last year, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, I think going into the season, and tell me if you feel differently, I think the best three overall players in college football, at least offensively, because for someone like Jabril Peppers, who has somewhat of a chance this year, or like Miles Garrett, who is going to be amazing at Texas A&M, yeah. but really has no chance at this award. Um, but the best three offensive players, I think, heading into this year, I think are Fournette, McCaffrey, and Deshaun Watson. Yeah, totally agree. But, but I think I don't have LSU in the playoff, I don't have Clemson in the playoff, and I don't have Stanford in the playoff. Right. So just knowing how this sort of Heisman machine works, I think that's how we both sort of arrived at the candidates that we picked here. Yeah, totally agree. That plus the 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 fact that it is actually hard on a, just a player-specific basis for the favorite to win. You know, Zach Cram wrote a piece on The Ringer a couple weeks ago looking at this. Like, the hype is a, a real detriment. It's hard to if what you did last year was incredible and it wasn't good enough to win you the Heisman, you're not going to win it the next year if you do slightly less or even just as much. You have to do better. And as we talked about with a guy like McCaffrey or even guys like you know Watson who had exceptional seasons, that's a almost impossibly high bar to clear. Yeah, basically people are going to expect Deshaun Watson to play every single game this season at the level that he did against Alabama in the title game, and that's just unrealistic. Exactly. All right. Ben, it's time for our, our final segment of the show. Let's talk about week one a bit. Let's do a little week one preview action, and, and we're going we're gonna to go kind of rapid fire here to, to, to wrap this up. But right, let's, let's start with the matchup that you're most looking forward to this weekend, which is absolutely loaded, no shortage of games to choose from. What are you most excited about? If you pick so, the same thing as me here, I'm gonna, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I'm, I know I'm going to pick the same thing as you because you already said you think Texas is going to beat Notre Dame. Um, I, I, like, I, I am fascinated to see what this Texas team looks like. Um, Charlie Strong's future is just a huge storyline. Texas football in general, this is such a weird year in Texas football. Baylor is obviously in a unique circumstance, but TCU is a kind way of putting it. It's a, I mean, this is not the time or place to get into an extensive discussion about all the stuff that is fucked up at Baylor right now. Um, But Baylor is, has lots of problems to deal with. TCU is bringing in a quarterback, Kenny Hill, who is just going to be fascinating to watch, and they have a lot of exciting pieces. Texas is still trying to figure out what the hell has happened. Uh, Charlie Strong is 11 and 14 since he's been there. They brought in a new offensive coordinator in Sterling Gilbert from Tulsa. Um, Obviously, I am in on Notre Dame this year, so really more than anything, I'm just looking forward to see how fast um, they can make me look totally stupid here. (laughs) I love it. I love it, but... I did not love it enough to pick the same thing for once. Wow, I know. That's, ex- that's good news. I think I'm about to surprise you a little bit. I am most looking forward to UCLA, Texas A&M. Okay. Chosen it's- Rosen versus Miles Maneater Garrett. Are you kidding me, Ben? This is, like, so exciting for a week one non-conference matchup. It's not getting as much attention as some of these other games because 
it's not like, you know, a top 10 matchup or a four versus 11 like FSU Ole Miss is, but it's one of the best and most interesting offensive players in the country versus one of the best, maybe the best defensive player in the country. It's the Lord, Jim Mora, versus the Lord, Kevin Sumlin. It's a Pac-12, this is the year, really, team versus one of my personal favorite dark horse contenders for the season, A&M. And no one's talking about it because it doesn't involve Alabama or Clemson. So, you know, if UCLA wins this game, it's it's officially the season of Rosen. And if A&M wins, I think we're instantly looking at a new top 25 team and a new SEC contender. Those are really high stakes for a week one non-conference matchup that isn't necessarily earning marquee billing. And I didn't even mention Christian Kirk. Yeah, the, the other thing that's really exciting about this is that Josh Rosen is no longer a freshman and now can actually speak to the media because <laughs> he is just, he's, he's immediately become like, it's like less miles now that Spurrier's gone, Josh Rosen is the second best quote in college football. It's incredible. He's um, incredible. So if they, if they are to beat the Aggies in week one, I think we can look forward to a season full of incredible Josh Rosen quotes and installations of hot tubs in places that you would not expect to find hot tubs. <laughs> well said. All right, what about what about players? Who's the player that you're most excited to watch in week one? Uh, I mentioned him earlier, Kenny Hill. I mean, we just... Uh, they don't have, like, a matchup that's super exciting. They play South Dakota State, so not a ton of people are going to be watching this, but his introduction to college football a couple of years ago in that Thursday night game when he was on A&M against South Carolina was just, I mean, that was a moment. That was, he was Kenny Trill. He was a Heisman favorite. He was going to be better than Johnny Manziel. Like, we were anointing him as the next great quarterback in College Station. And now Texas A&M doesn't even have any quarterbacks on the roster, which is <laughs> disappointing. But, um but yeah, I really just it's been it's been two years since I've seen this guy play. I'm really pumped to see what he can do. First of all, that was a really rude thing to say about Trevor Knight, even though you never mentioned him. <laughs> Texas A&M has Trevor Knight, which is good enough for Katy Perry and good enough for me. Um, you and Chris Ryan share a very sincere, very very fiery passion for Kenny Hill. It's 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 nice to see. I hope that you guys can bond over that all season. Um, for me, you know, I think that my actual answer, as I as is probably clear based on how many times I've mentioned him in this podcast, is Jabril Peppers. My second choice would probably be Derwin James. But because I've already talked about them, I'm going to go with someone else. And I'm going to go with Nick Chubb, Georgia running back, who was one of my favorite players to watch the last couple seasons. And when he got hurt, when he shredded his knee last year, I was devastated. Like, I'm not a Georgia fan, but he's just – He's awesome, and it sucked to see him get hurt. He's been cleared for the season opener against the Tar Heels, which is very exciting, and I just can't wait to see him on the field again. So, you know, he, he would have been one of my picks for the entire season, but certainly for week one, I'm, I'm most interested to see how Chubb looks. Is he, is he the Nick Chubb that we are expecting to see and had grown accustomed to seeing, or is he a lesser player? Because, you know, that determines how much joy we get as college football fans this season. Obviously, it determines a lot about his future, but it also determines a lot about what Kirby Smart and Georgia can do this season. Yeah, I would really I would really love it for 
college football as a whole, and especially for Georgia fans, if their running backs would no longer just be cursed by a higher power. Yeah, um, yeah it'd be, it, it would be great to see Nick Chubb be healthy for the whole year. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. What, what about something a little like less on the radar? What little-known storyline are you going to be paying the most attention to in week one? So you touched on Trevor Knight. In general, I am interested in the SEC's sort of new crop of quarterbacks yeah. who are sort of flying under the radar. I mean, we talked about Georgia. Jacob Eason is just a really compelling figure this year. He plays North Carolina in week one. I mean, they haven't officially named him the quarterback yet, but I have a really hard time not seeing how he's yeah. the quarterback. I'm interested to see how Mississippi State replaces Dak Prescott. He has been the face of that program, the the greatest pr- player in program history, really. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see Luke Del Rio at Florida. I'm interested to see Trevor Knight. I mean, <laughs> Katy Perry aside, Trevor Knight basically has had one good game in his college career, and that was against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, and it was amazing. But other than that game, he's been just, like, kind of bleh. So I, I don't know. We'll see how he plays in A&M. Sumlin obviously was a, a quarterback whisperer until everybody decided to transfer at <laughs> once. Um but, yeah, so I'm excited to sort of see what the new class of SEC quarterbacks are going to look like. What are you uh, What are you looking forward to here? Ben, you've known me for a while, and I think you know me well enough to know that I was not going to go through this entire podcast without once playing the shameless Homer card. So yes. I am... I am going to be paying attention to how Maryland looks. I'm excited to see how my hometown Terps look under... DJ Durkin, the Durkinator, first-year head coach. I mean, it's not exactly a, uh, a, a you know marquee opener. They're playing Howard. They've got FIU and, and UCF uh, in the next two weeks before a bye, and then they hit the Big Ten schedule. It's a while before they have a big game. It's going to be a while before we really know what they're capable of. But, you know, when, when you're part of the – it wasn't necessarily the most exciting hire, right? But I think that when you are – part of the Harbaugh and Meyer coaching tree, there's reason for hope. So, you know, very, very selfishly, I'm, uh, I'm, eager, I'm eager to see how he looks. Let's get to our last question. Let's wrap this up and put a bow on it with a bold prediction. Let's do it. What is your okay. one bold prediction for week one? Okay, so we we talked about it earlier. How Clemson has some oh, holes. Oh no, are we gonna have there. the same one? Oh geez, really? Oh I, uh, my god! God, this is terrible. This is terrible. Basically, should we I say think, it on the count of three? Yeah, we can do it on three. You want to count down? One, one, two, three. Auburn okay. beats Clemson. Oh, you have it farther than me. I have. I only had Auburn like keeps this thing like close all the way to the end. So I'm gonna I'm gonna seed the stage here and let and let you take this away. I mean, Go for we, it, Mal. this is your time. We talked about all of it already. You know, Deshaun Watson can only do so much. I have sincere concerns about the defense. I think that the hangover next year letdown effect that you briefly mentioned is a very real thing. And I love Dabo, but bring in your bring your own guts. Like that only goes so far, especially when the place that you're going is Jordan Hare. That is a hard place to win in week one. It's a hard place to win, period. And I don't know, it just there's there's something intangible about it, but I just Clemson to me has the the, the aura of, of letdown around it. 
I, I tend to agree as a whole. I think they find a way to pull this out. In general, though, my, my thoughts on Auburn are sort of similar to my thoughts on Oregon that I mentioned earlier. I think up until last year, we basically were under the impression that Gus Malzahn could make it work with any quarterback. And now, within the span of a year, we've decided that he can never find success with any of the quarterbacks on his roster. I think the truth probably lies somewhere more in the middle and speaking of guys that we just really want to stay healthy this year, Carl Lawson yes. on Auburn is just, when he's healthy, he's one of the most fun players in the game. So I'm, I'm really hoping he is actually out on the fields come, come November. I agree. Ben, I also hope that you're out on the field, the digital field, come November. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for uh, chatting football and uh, enjoy the games. Yeah, you too.